Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and I recently tried to give the introduction, but I'm not good at giving introductions. So, I'd just like to welcome you to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And I asked a few questions and saying, oh, is it possible to live in the multiverse and function on day-to-day tasks, blah, 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 all that fun stuff. So, my father is not here today because he is currently covering a very important event for his one of his many jobs. I don't I can't I can't count on one hand how many jobs he has. So, welcome to Behind the Paranormal again. So, before we get to our our guest tonight, I would like to say that our paranormal contest has not had a winner yet. And the question was like how it was a very vague question about Danish castles and how many ghosts are inside said Danish castle and the answer to that question in uh, the Danish castles or crap like that, is uh, there are three ghosts in uh, Dragsholm Castle in Odshered, Denmark, whatever. And uh, one of the ghosts is the Grey Lady, a worker in the castle at one time, the White Lady, the daughter of a former owner of the castle, and the Earl of Bothwell. And all that fun stuff, but we didn't get a chance to get a winner to that, so let us move on to this week's question. So this week's question is, in which 1960s rock star had a running conspiracy theory that he may be an alien? So call us locally at 401-766-1240 or nationally at 800-449-1240. And if nobody gets a winner before the end of the show and you still think you have a shot, drop a line to me at ben at behindtheparanormal.com. And if that's vague, I'm very sorry. I had to think of a, think up something on the... I don't know how my dad comes up with the questions. He's probably just really good at that kind of thing. So now on to tonight's guest. Uh, Todd Banks is a 37-year-old business owner, uh, training intelligence and information technology trainer in Connecticut. He graduated from Stonehill College in Easton, Massachusetts with a B.S. in biology and dual minors in psychology and theatrical arts. Todd was recently married to his wife, Tara, on April 30th of this year. Uh, Todd and Tara also live with a three, three-year-old Bengal cat named Jem. I thought it was going to be a kid, but never mind. Uh, who is who is the most universe, multiversal aware out of all of them? The cat being the one who's multiversal aware. Uh, Todd's initial experience with the multiverse at a young age, or initial experiences with the multiverse at a young age were challenging. He grew up in a home that was troubled by a parasitical entity in an attempt to understand the unexplainable phenomena. He became interested in the paranormal at an early age. However, upon leaving home for college, he took a sharp turn into a five-cents-only scientific paradigm, uh, which remained in place until a year ago, essentially. So Todd's journey back to the multiverse awareness began with a jolt in October 2010. The defining moment was an extremely intense semantic journey that completely changed his view of the world and his life path. After this experience, he consumed as much information as possible on all things paranormal, including listening to Coast to Coast AM religiously. 
And upon hearing Paul and Ben, us, on Coast to Coast AM and learning about their multiverse theory, he enrolled in Paul's course at IMU. Since completing Paul's course at IMU, Todd has begun training with the Aztec shaman that Paul and Ben have known for many years. He has, he has enjoyed a drastically improved quality of life since becoming multiverse aware. And life is no longer a roller coaster of good and bad experiences. Seemingly negative events are now viewed as exciting challenges on the road to spiritual growth. It has been Todd's experience that love and humor are ubiquitous in the multiverse. So, Todd Banks, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thanks very much, Ben. It's a pleasure to be on. Oh, it's a pleasure having you. So, let's get right down into the nitty-gritty of this, Todd. Uh, so, how did you get started in all of this? Like, where did this start you? Well, you, you pretty much uh, summed it up well with uh, with that intro there. Um, encountered a lot of uh, kind of the negative side of the multiverse uh, growing up. Um Things like feeling presences uh, when you were alone in a room uh, and that kind of thing. And I honestly uh, thought that it was normal to feel like somebody was watching you while you slept uh, until I went to college. Um, however, even though I went through and kind of experienced quite a bit of that growing up, um, I did kind of move into a scientific, uh, you know, five-sense reality-only paradigm for about 20 years. So I basically let go of all that stuff, had no interest in it, and, uh, and then I realized 20 years later that even though on paper everything seemed to be going great in my life, uh, I had a successful job, a wonderful fiancé, um, life just wasn't really that fulfilling. Uh, I felt that something was missing. And uh, I ended up kind of trying to explore what some of the other possibilities might be, and I fell down a bit of a uh, kind of a conspiracy uh, uh, theory rabbit hole for a while. And thankfully, that ended up leading me to the uh, multiversal reality. And you mentioned uh, the shamanic experience. Um, yes, I actually had a uh, had a very intense experience uh, with one of the sacred plant teachers. And I would like to put a little disclaimer out there first. Um, I would highly recommend that no one ever experiment with the sacred plant teachers. I think it is a very bad idea, and it can hurt you in many, many ways. There are some shaman in, uh, in specifically Peru uh, who can help guide people through these experiences, but I in no way advocate or think that it's a good idea for anyone to, to experiment with them, either recreationally or shamanically, without a vetted shaman there to, uh, to guide them through the experience, if that's their calling. Now, what happened with me was I... Um, I did one of the stupidest things of my life, which was actually attempting to take myself on a journey uh, using one of those sacred plant teachers, uh, Grandmother Ayahuasca. And it was the most painful, fearful experience that I've ever had in my life. So for anyone who's kind of thinking about it, it's something that's a very intense experience. Even with a shaman with you, um, it's, uh, it's going to be something unlike anything you've ever experienced before. I equate it to... Uh, my very existence was taken and held to a white-hot flame um, in, in which I finally let go of my ego and, uh, and became uh, uh, fairly multiversal aware very quickly. It was like going out, of a, uh, uh, going out of a slingshot when a better path to go is to kind of slowly walk up that hill to awareness. Um, after that experience, I've been working on uh, – well, actually, I did come across uh, both you guys on uh, Coast to Coast – and thankfully, I had some good guidance from the beginning. 
through both of you, through uh, through the shaman uh, that we mentioned earlier. And uh, enrolling in Paul's course uh, definitely helped out quite a bit. I think I uh, ended up uh, uh, maxing out the memory capacity on my Amazon Kindle, taking notes on uh, your father's uh, book, Turning Home, God's Ghosts and uh, Human Destiny. Nice. It can actually hold a lot of highlighting and a lot of notes. I, uh, I know that firsthand. Oh, yeah, ex- exactly. There's a lot of stuff in my dad's book. I'm going to be honest with you. I've I've have nev- never gotten through the entire thing, probably because I've been to every single lecture that he's ever had <laughs> on it. So I basically know the book without having to read it. I, I understand exactly what you're saying. It's like you're 10 years old until, well, whenever it hits you. Like you're just basically a selfish little kid until everything just sort of hits. But now moving on to the next question. So now that you're multiverse aware, what experiences has what experiences have you had because of it, or any paranormal experiences in general? Oh, there's actually been quite a few. Uh, it seems like as uh, as you become more and more aware, um, these experiences tend to find you. Thankfully, uh, most of them have been positive, and the ones that most people would frame as negative, I uh, look at challenges uh, that ended up teaching me uh, teach me some pretty important things. Um, one of the, I mean, a lot of times people hear about the negative ones, about hauntings and uh, parasites and things like that, but I'll give a small example of one of the positive ones that happened, uh, I believe, probably about three months ago now. Uh, actually had a friend over, and we were, uh, we were sitting down just kind of talking about, uh, about life in the living room, and uh, suddenly I noticed that the lights uh, increased, that the whole room got brighter, uh, not coming from the light necessarily, but just the room got brighter. And I quickly looked at my friend, uh, who looked at me and said, you just feel something change? And I said, yeah, um, feels almost uh, peaceful and kind of happy and relaxed and almost like a slight vibration in the air. And kind of looked over and actually saw a little bit of a form in the corner. And definitely that was where the, uh, the lightness was emanating from. And there was just a really nice kind of calmness and peace that came across both of us. I don't know exactly what that was, um, but it had a really nice uh, kind of feeling, and I definitely looked at it as a positive uh, experience. Oh, yeah, definitely. That would, that would definitely count as a positive experience. Usually just stick with your gut on things, as people would say. Absolutely. Always always follow your instincts, because that's our basic function in life. So tell us, well, you basically explained how you became multiverse aware, but you want to go in greater detail about it? Um, well, after my uh, initial experience, I, uh, I learned very quickly that uh, it was a better idea to take things slowly, uh, which I have done since then. Um, so, for instance, uh, meditation has been a great help, uh, learning how to kind of quiet the monkey mind a little bit so that you can uh, be able to listen a little bit more to kind of some of the subtler frequencies and, uh, and listen into uh, kind of the, the multiverse a bit more. So I'd say meditation, uh, kind of doing daily meditation has been really useful, trying to keep a state of mindfulness uh, throughout the day. And, um, and also one of the things that I think has been invaluable is uh, kind of constantly monitoring the ego because um, I've noticed that my development has been in direct proportion to the amount that I've been able to keep my ego out of the way. And that was probably the best gift that I got from, uh, from that sacred plant teacher was that my ego got removed from the front seat. Uh, my ego was no longer driving. It still would rear its head and still does. I mean, I've got to look at myself as um, halfway through spiritual kindergarten right now. 
Like, I've learned how to put a couple of blocks on top of each other, but I'm still eating paste. <laughs> I like that spiritual kindergarten. I'll have to keep, I'll have to write that one down. But, um, yes. Forgot where I was going with that. All right. So, let's talk about the benefits of being multiverse aware. What would you say the benefits are? Well, one of the, one of the big things is that you have less of a fear of death. And I see that as a very good thing because you don't actually frame death in the same way anymore. Uh, I believe one of the terms uh, that you like to use is translate. And I definitely agree with that. I don't think that there's any, any end to this uh, consciousness or incarnation. So once you kind of get that under your belt and you're not really afraid of leaving or translating uh, from here, it gives you a lot more freedom to do what you really love and what you really want. Oh, um, that's yeah. one of the benefits. Uh, another is just kind of the peace that comes with a non-dualistic uh, worldview. Uh, I used to see things as black and white, um, and then later in life slowly learned that there were some shades of gray in there. And then more recently, beginning to get a bit of a uh, non-dualistic worldview where you look at everything as potential for spiritual growth. Um, so things that used to be framed as negative, it's going to be a challenge that's provided for you, and it's a test you can grow from. So that's absolutely how I look at everything that happens. And, and definitely the tests keep coming. Um, so something that may have challenged you before, perhaps it was, let's say, uh, if a car cuts you off in traffic, uh, you would normally go into a rage about it. It's noticing that feeling, seeing it happen, and choosing not to follow your ego and not to have your, your ego race off and get you into a state that you would rather not be in. And if look at that as, okay, I've just been given a challenge, and let's see if I can overcome it or not. Uh, that's definitely another benefit. Um, something else is that I'm beginning, and again, I'm very, you know, I'm just kind of becoming multiverse aware. I don't nearly have the experience that uh, you and your father have. But one of the other things that I found really useful is that you begin to see how um, you can affect reality energetically. Um, so, for example, if there's an argument going on or some sort of a crisis, there are ways to actually help calm people down through your energy and not just with your words. And I found that to be extremely helpful. Yeah, that's that's very, very, very helpful, especially when it comes to people like, oh, you know, the video that everybody in my generation that has seen in... Um, what's it called, driver's ed, where, like, the deacon guy comes out of his car, he's just mad as all heck, and just whips out a crossbow, and it's like, oh, why does that guy have a crossbow? Well, instead of (laughs) dealing with that and, like, oh, hey, don't shoot me, it's more of exuding positive energy towards that guy, because there's got to be a reason why he's mad. Absolutely. So and so then you just sort of chill like oh chill out man what's the reason why you're mad all that stuff but I have to interrupt the conversation real quick because we have a winner to our paranormal contest question as opposed to last week where the question was so complicated nobody could answer it and I I'm glad that this was very clear so Scott Gogan of uh, Oxbridge Massachusetts has answered the question correctly and the answer to the question was Jimi Hendrix I never said what you guys would win so. Uh, I guess you guys will get a copy of Turning Home, God's Go- God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny by my dad, and I'll make sure he signs it, and I'll get this to him. Okay, so that brings us to our next point. Well, not a point. I had a question myself to ask you. When you meditate, what kind of meditations do you have? 
Do you mean what technique or what experiences during the meditation? What experiences during the meditation? Do you just sort of relax? Do you have visions? Blah, blah, blah. Um, it depends on the day. Um, there are some times where I'll do a meditation uh, intentionally to try to um, work out and remove some uh, energy blocks and to get kind of my energy flowing uh, a bit better. There's other times where I'll go into a uh, state of no mind and whatever happens to come to me comes to me. So there's typically I, I will get some visions, uh, whether it just whether it be uh, either auditory or actual uh, or actual visual, uh, usually about like once a week or so. Uh, and then other times it'll take me into a state where time basically goes away. Um, then I kind of blink my eyes and half an hour uh, has gone by. So it all depends on the day and what my objective is going into the meditation. Um, but definitely I have had some uh, some visions as well. Well, that sound, that, that actually is a lot easier because instead of meditating every time you get a vision, it's like, oh, crap, what do I do now? That sort of thing. So that leads us down into our next point. Well, not really, it doesn't. But so what do you – like let's say you're talking to some guy in the street and you're just like, oh, well, hey, how's it going? I do this, 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 or this. Or he asks you what you do or whatever. How do you explain this to someone if he's like, oh, you're just crazy, you're just high or something like that? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, uh, I've definitely encountered this, um, not so much with just uh, random people on the street, but uh, with some uh, uh, with with friends because um, I went through this experience about a year ago, and I've had uh, a fairly good group of friends for the past uh, well almost about twenty five years now. So they remember the way that I used to be, and uh, and they're also kind of coming to terms with uh, with who I've become since then. And I'll say that the majority of my uh, of my old friends uh, from that group haven't um, uh, they haven't really become uh, multiverse aware, and uh, and to a lot of them, uh, here's here's the thing: is usually early on when you start discovering this stuff, you get so excited about it, and I I still am I'm very excited about it. But the mistake that I made early on was that I would try to convince people. So I would try to, you know, well, well, look here, feel this, see if, you know, see if you can feel anything here. And then I realized there's actually a few issues with that. Uh, first of all, in the spiritual scheme of things, in the multiversal uh, scheme of things, it might not be the time for them to become aware. So their path might be that they need to be in completely immersed in five-sense reality until a point where the, you know, multiversal rug gets pulled out from beneath them, and they need to experience that. So I no longer want to get in the way of anyone's, uh, anyone's path and whatever they need to experience. However, um, I think a good analogy for, like, let's say, um, one kind of early form of multiverse awareness is, uh, in my opinion, being able to sense energy. So being able to like, kind of put your hand over someone and be able to feel like just energetically what's going on with them. And it's almost like uh, most people don't have that ability because they haven't focused on it. So a good way to think about it is, is, let's say if we lived in a world where there was so much pollution, where no one could smell, all their sinuses were completely collapsed from birth due to the pollution that we have. And then you had a few people who maybe practiced some breathing techniques and maybe figured out that they could inhale some eucalyptus and it would actually help open up their sinuses. So you have a small amount of people who actually smell scents. However, you 
still have about 99% of people who couldn't. Does that mean that the scents don't exist? And I'd say that they do exist and that being able to smell is a natural human faculty. It's just been closed off due to certain environmental circumstances. And I believe that that's definitely the case with um, multiverse awareness. I think it's a natural human faculty. I don't think there's anything paranormal about it, but I do believe that the environment that we live in, uh, as well as the things that we consume and are, uh, are put into some of our products, um, basically uh, they, um, they pull people away from that faculty and they, they do the equivalent of, of uh, shutting our sinuses uh, for energy awareness. Oh, yes, I know exactly what you're saying, because I, I tried doing the same thing to a few of my friends. Like, I, I've, I've had a good group of friends for a while, and I've known them since middle school, and when I, I like, I, I didn't talk to them for, like, two years. I went through this whole period in my senior year of high school where I, I just didn't talk to them anymore, I, not not because I didn't like them. I just didn't have a chance to, because a few of them were at college, other people went to different schools, and, like, I just didn't talk to them, and I made a whole other group of friends and I'm with their whole weird time, and when they finally saw me, they were like, whoa, you lost, like, 70 pounds, and you're, like, you're really different. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. And so when I tried to explain to them, like, what happened to me, they were just like, I don't get it. Or some people understood, other people didn't understand, and I made new friends after that who did understand. And it was a whole complicated, complicated cycle where it's like I... I, I know what you're saying. Sometimes you just can't talk to people about this kind of stuff. So I guess that leads into an, another thing, but I think we might as well take a break for commercials since it now seems like a good time before we get into our next half hour. So you are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM. Stay with us. Hi, this is Groovin' Moose. Join me for the best mixed bag of rock music around. A weekly segment of The Beatles, too. It's called The Groove Line. It's on every Thursday night from 6 to 7 p.m. That's The Groove Line right here on W-O-O-N. Owen Radio. Owen Worldwide. All right, so we are going to put in a little plug for our Amazon Kindle. So, ebooks are becoming an attractive alternative to expensive printed books, newspapers, and magazines. And your best deal in ebooks is the Amazon Kindle e-reader, now priced as low as $114. And you can get over 900 books, newspapers, and magazines electronically delivered right to your fingertips. No matter ship, no more shipping charges, no more $4 a gallon trips, well, $350 a gallon. Uh, drives to the bookstore, no more bulky and environmentally unfriendly packaging to get rid of, and read the books you love for as much as half the printed editions. So, books available on Amazon Kindle, including four of my dad's books, and they include the popular Footsteps in the Attic, which is no longer available in stores until it's reprinted later this year. I can't tell you when exactly. Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, Faces at the Window, and Under His Historian's Hat, Rhode Island A Genial History, which he co-authored with Emmy Award-winning TV, jur- TV journalist Glenn Laxton. So check out the Amazon Kindle store at Amazon.com today. Kindle also is available at Staples, and it makes great gifts. So, Todd, we are back from 
our break on WO 1240. This is Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, or Ben today. That is me. And so you are all listening to the soothing tones of me and our guest, Todd Banks. So now we are going to talk about the downsides of multiverse awareness. And, Todd, what do you, what do you think the downsides are? Uh, one thing I just want to mention about uh, about kind of how to respond to uh, to people. Oh yeah, let's go back to that. One thing I didn't um, I didn't mention is that there's an awful lot of scientific research out there that's been done, and there are if if people are really interested in finding out um, kind of the reality uh, behind all this, they can do the research. Uh, for instance, uh, Dr. Gary Schwartz's work is uh, excellent, or uh, anything from the uh, Society for Scientific Exploration, or even Fred Allen Wolf. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. All you know, PhDs, uh, you know, professors at major universities. It's um, it's the data is out there. So for people who doubt their own senses, uh, which definitely there's a lot of people out there like that. Um, I was like that before my experiences. Like if I experienced something directly, I would just write it off as my mind playing tricks on me. But it's definitely an observable reality. So just wanted to put that in there. Um, as far as the uh, the downsides of multiverse awareness, um, first of all, staying grounded. Uh, that's definitely something that you need to pay attention to because it's very easy to get caught up in, in the phenomenon and uh, the multiverse. But we have a physical existence here uh, that we need to pay attention to. And if you don't pay attention to the physical experience here, you're probably going to miss out on the lessons that you're supposed to learn. So staying grounded, I'd say, is a very important thing. Um, it's easy to not be grounded, and that's definitely one of the downsides as you become more aware of these energies. Um, another is is uh, you tend to, uh, and I'm not sure if you found uh, this at all, Ben, but I've noticed that you tend to attract the attention of entities as you become more aware of them. So there's the positive side of that, like I mentioned with that whatever uh, positive uh, being showed up a few months back, but there's also the negative side of it. So you become a little bit of a uh, brighter light to, uh, to say, parasitical entities as well. Uh, which can definitely be challenging to overcome. You know, another another terrible thing is doubt, like, that you can add to that list. I, I understand the attention and grounded thing, because I have problems with that all the time. If if you talk to any of my professors or friends, they'll be like, yeah, he, like, yeah, he zones out a lot or whatever, because I sometimes I even forget who I am. Like, professors calling me in class, and I'm like, what? Like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. And... The worst, the worst part is it's it's keeping up with it too, like keeping up with the meditation, keeping up with all this stuff. There's so many distractions in our society. Like for me, I love playing video games, and I like all nice American teenagers. I play video games, but even then, it, it gets to the point where it's like, oh, I need to stop doing this. I need to stop doing this. I need to stop doing this. I mean, there was a point like. During that weird time in my senior year, I stopped doing everything. I didn't. I didn't watch TV. Didn't. I didn't go on my computer. I stayed away from my computer. Didn't play video games. All I did was watch like movies, and that included like Quentin Tarantino movies and other existentialist films and all that crap. And I, I like watched a. I watched some other. I watched my favorite show, and that was about it. And I just meditated all the time. And then I got a girlfriend. And things changed, and I, I don't know, I got better, I got better from it because now she keeps me grounded, but it's just like, it, it's hard to keep a good balance between the spiritual and, 
well, everyday life. I don't want to say materialistic because I don't, I don't consider myself materialistic. It and the doubt that comes in too, because it's like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Or it's, it, it's not like a bad kind of doubt. It's like a healthy doubt to make you like question, oh, am I on the right path? Like, oh, maybe I should check this, check this, and check that. Like, doubt comes in everything, in all good, there is bad. And the, the attention thing, that's also, that's also a horrible, horrible thing. I can tell you some stories, like, I can't sleep on my first floor of my house anymore. Cause, like, I, I wake up, like, two, three in the morning, and, like, I hear, like, tapping on my, on the windows, like, something just keeps, keeps me awake, and it's not windy out, it's none of the bushes near my house, and, like, it just keeps tapping and tapping, and it's just annoying as all heck. And I can't, I can't, like, fall back to sleep, so I'm up, like, the entire night until it finally stops. And it's just awful. It's awful. So I understand exactly what you're saying with that. It's just an awful, awful thing. So that just moves on with the attention into, oh, did you have more to add? Um, one other thing, yeah, I would say is that another downside is is that um, you have to be aware of pulling uh, people's uh, negative energy off of them. Uh, oh, yeah. It seems like you end up becoming a little bit more like uh, like Velcro for uh, for any energies out there. So just um, it's easy to pick up things like uh, even something like um, like somebody has like an energetic issue. Uh, it's very easy to pull that off of them and then have to clear it yourself. Uh, and I'm still in the process of figuring out like and working on effective ways to to quickly ground and you know clear out uh, those things that I pick up, but. I'm still picking them up at this point. And, um, you know, there's a few things people can do to kind of help, uh, you know, prevent that from happening. And uh, and one of those, I'd say, is, like, staying away from places that are, like, uh, parasite uh, feeding frenzies. Uh, that's basically what I call any place on a uh, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night where people are getting drunk. Oh, um, yeah, exactly. Alcohol is not a, not a good thing uh, when it's used uh, outside of moderation. Um, the reasoning I, I'd say behind that is that it feels like it lowers your defenses, and when people get to the point of uh, being uh, being heavily buzzed or drunk, uh, they tend to pull on all sorts of nasty things. Uh, besides, of course, just the you know the physical reality of uh, you know driving intoxicated and everything, which is uh, which is horrible. Um, it's I almost if I have to walk into a, you know if I have to go to a restaurant that's got a, a bar attached to it on one of those nights. Um, I try to uh, I try to put up as much protection as possible before going into those uh, places. Oh yeah, no, I understand exactly what you're saying because um, like my girlfriend has a friend and she she had like so so many problems. I used to be friends with her in high school and then all all sorts of weird things happened and it like people tend to like come to you and they're just like. They, they're like, oh, yeah, I totally want to be your friend, whatever, you seem like a cool person, but they're psychic vampires, and they come to you with all their problems and all of that, and they just feed off you because you're just such a nice person. And, like, they may subconsciously see, oh, this person is powerful, blah, 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 like, all that crap. I, even though I try not to put stock in that, it's just the thing that my dad came to the conclusion with. He was just like, oh, yeah, they're just sticking around you. They want to get you under their finger and all that. And... It's stuff like that that's just like, wow, especially drunks, because like my, my girlfriend lives on campus, I live at home, so uh, I go visit her on Fridays. It's like all these people, they're like, yeah, like all drunk all over the place, and I, I don't drink by any means, besides the fact that I'm underage. My girlfriend and I just hang out in the dining hall and just relax, drink a cup of coffee, and then I'm on my way. 
And it's just these people, like, they try talking to me, and they're like, hey, man, you should come with us. I'm like, no, I don't want to. It, it's not... It's just not a safe environment for people like us or people that are becoming aware, are aware, and all that. They're, they tend to open themselves up, whether they mean to or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, that, just lead, that, that also leads into another point. What's your opinion of the parasite problem we face? Yeah, and actually that's a great lead-in for it. Um, so, for example, in uh, in colleges, I mean, I, I think that this is a pervasive problem. I think it's a, it's a massive problem. Um, I mean, when you just look at colleges, college campuses and the kind of culture that's, uh, that's there with the drinking and the uh, intentional intoxication, um, what you basically have is you have breeding grounds for, uh, for parasites, uh, in my opinion. I think that, uh, that people get a lot of things attached to them during their college years uh, through, you know, blackout drunkenness. And those things uh, stay with them uh, for their entire lives unless they've uh, they followed a path to intentionally cleanse them. Uh, that's one small example. Uh, the way I kind of look at things, and actually before I go into how big I think the, the issue may be, um, I do want to say one thing from a spiritual point of view. I believe that we all choose to come into this incarnation to learn certain lessons. So it's almost like there's a game plan every single decision isn't uh, isn't worked out for us, but we know what we're getting into before we come. So by choosing to have a uh, incarnation in this uh, in this dimension in this reality, we know that that we came into a uh, into a, a dimension that the difficulty level is set very high. Um, I think that we all knew that coming in. Um, some of us may grow on our spiritual path, uh, others may not, but we knew kind of the inherent uh, risks with coming into something that was so uh, so difficult. And as far as the uh, the present issues with the parasite problem, um, I almost feel that it's a uh, kind of a bell, uh, a bell witch scenario at a global level right now. Um, I think probably most of, uh, most of the listeners are familiar with the bell witch uh, case. Well, if if they're I'm, well, we've talked about it several times, but if they're new to listening, the Bell Witch was essentially, well, we we consider it a parasite, but it was it started in uh, oh, I don't remember what part of the U.S. I want to say it was Alabama in a in a small like Protestant town, and it basically took over the town. It could sing songs. It remembered the sermons from like the Sundays before. And if these people weren't, like, good, God-fearing men, they probably would have considered this thing a god because it would go from town to town, give people financial advice, and most of the time it was wrong. But the point being is, yeah, no, I understand completely that this is all, it's like a bell witch kind of thing. And I think it's almost at a global level at this point. I mean, when you look at what what these entities like to feed on, uh, hate, anger, fear, and you look at... Uh, I guess certain areas of uh, either governmental or uh, or media-wise, and it seems like they're almost intentionally trying to promote those emotions. Yeah. And it's almost like that old adage people say, you know, follow the money. Um, I'd say follow the fear. Follow the groups that are trying to create the most fear. And I'd say there's a chance either consciously or unconsciously that they're being influenced by uh, some sort of a parasitical entity. Yeah, like one could even say, I mean, look at Nazi Germany. I mean, how could humans do that to to other human beings? It's it it just makes you wonder because I I thought about it for a while because my dad brought up the whole thing. Oh, what about halls of government? And I thought about it and I was like, huh, 
I was looking at all the horrible stuff that's been like happening all over the world, and, like the last century, World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, and like all sorts of genocides all over the world, all that horrible stuff. I mean, imagine how much food they could get from that. And even if they aren't like doing that, even if they aren't like people like don't even realize that they're like being pushed to do certain things. I mean. People don't realize all the stuff that's happening to them. I mean, keep them fat, keep the people fat, dumb, and happy. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And when you also take into account the fact that uh, I believe it's three to five percent of the global population are uh, are psychopaths, so they don't feel uh, human emotion the way that we do. It could be um, it could be getting even worse too because the, look at the stuff we have on TV. I mean, we have like UFC and stuff like that, and we're trained to be like, oh yeah, death, sports, blah blah blah. It's like physical violence. I mean, you see how some of the people act today. It's like they haven't even got out of the Stone Age yet. Absolutely, and then you have the uh, the culture is reinforced to uh, you know shows on uh, reality TV shows that show people getting uh, getting hammered and drunk and cheating on each other. It puts out a, a template uh, for the way that, that we should live our lives that will make sure and ensure that we never find happiness and peace. Exactly. If you feel like it's engineered to make people like this arrogant and selfish mm-hmm. to, to the it's point... All, it's all pandering to the ego. It's trying to build up that ego so that they can bounce off of each other and, I think, uh, create those energies that are uh, that are sustaining for, uh, for parasites. Yeah, I mean, even David Icke brings up, oh, yeah, we may be being farmed, but it, people think he's crazy, but I, I think he makes a little, at least a little bit of sense. Some stuff I'm just like, eh, about, but most of it, I look at it, and I'm like, you know, that kind of makes sense from our point of view. So Absolutely. I mean, once you, uh, once you understand that, uh, that there are, you know, negative entities, parasites that can exist multi, uh, uh, you know, uh, Across the multiverse and have their uh, their tentacles in uh, in different dimensions. Um, it would make a lot of sense if you could if you could create a control structure um, on a uh, on a planet that basically was the equivalent of a human farm uh, for fear, hate, and anger. Uh, that would be a, a wonderful prize to have. So, if anyone came up to you on the street and was like, "Oh yeah, tell me about." Parasites would, or like anybody, even your friend's wife, whoever, like, how would you explain this to them, like the whole parasite problem, without them being like, you're crazy? Well, there's a certain baseline that they need to understand uh, in order to even begin explaining that. Um, a good way usually is uh, bringing up have you ever walked into a room and just felt that something was wrong? You had a gut instinct where just it just felt like there was something that just wasn't right. And most people, even if they're not uh, multiverse aware on a daily basis, have experienced that at some point. And that'll start to get them in the uh, uh, realizing that there's a possibility that energy can be negative. And once people realize that, or even if you walk into a room after a heavy argument's taken place, and from there, uh, as far as how I would explain uh, uh, explain how parasites work, is that a lot of people, if they're coming from a scientific mindset, they're uh, they're comfortable with uh, with well, some people are comfortable with quantum physics, and and that's where a lot of the multiverse uh, theory, um, I believe, it comes from. And you basically have entities out there that live off of those negative energies, and um, 
and they are multidimensional. They're not uh, they're not ghosts. They're not uh, just energies uh, riding around. They're actually physical entities that uh, that drink up this stuff as fuel. Yeah. So, like, have you ever had to explain it to like an actual like ghost hunter, like the ghost hunter, quote unquote? Or have you even run into any of them? Yeah, yeah. It's um, there's a lot of people who are still who are in that field um, in in a lot of different ways, ghost hunters or uh, or some of the other different areas where they really do believe that it's physical and spirit world, and that's it. They don't get the uh, the multiversal aspect to it. It's fun um, because we we have we did have that one person that was like, oh yeah, I tried out your methods and it completely changed everything. And it's it's weird to to see like how these people that have been doing the same thing for years and years and years who have like found no conclusive evidence like oh we're trying to prove it to science and it's like you can't you can't prove anything to science there's no way to do that they're stuck in their ways and that is all they're going to be so which all this also sort of brings us into the next point so from all the stuff that you just said would you say that we all have a responsibility in some form. If one is multiverse aware, absolutely, yeah. I I think that once you uh, kind of once you cross that bridge, uh, there's no going back. So uh, a few of the responsibilities I think people have uh, who have become uh, multiverse aware is respect for the free will of others. Um, that's one of those big universal laws that you don't want to be breaking. Oh yeah, free <clears throat> so, will. So for instance, uh, people who uh, believe that it's a good idea to dabble in, uh, let's say, uh, magic and uh, and put a love spell on somebody to influence somebody to have feelings for them, uh, you've just broken the free will contract. So when you become uh, multiverse aware, you really do need to respect people's free will. Um, that kind of goes without saying. Other parts, uh, I'd say you want to be aware of not feeding parasites. So, you know, just like, uh, you know, don't feed the animals, don't feed the parasites. Don't keep feed your, uh, you know, keep your energy positive. Um, try to reframe things. If there's something that you notice is, is making you feel one of those really horrible, uh, horrible emotions, it's like, you know, it can be reframed as a challenge. Um, there are going to be, you know, there are going to be tough events that we have to face, uh, but we can face those with courage and without, uh, without succumbing to um, and basically drowning in those emotions. So I'd say that that's something else we have a responsibility to do is to, be aware of our energy, even on a, on a daily basis before leaving the house. If you're going out there, see if you can affect people's energy in a good way. Just smile at them. You know, try to, if, if you're, um, you've done this kind of thing, like kind of expand your energy out and just put out some happiness and just be friendly to people. It's, as, uh, as your father, uh, you know, said, uh, uh, one time, and I'm sure he said it on the show before, but, you know, you tell somebody to go out in their yard naked swinging a rubber chicken over their head, they'll do it. But you tell them to, uh, to love one another and to be friendly to each other, and, um, you know, they look at you like you have three heads. Oh, yeah. It's, it's true. It, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't get the appeal of psychics and mediums, mostly because, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't really, I'm not going to say I don't trust them, but some of them, it, it's just they, they don't know what they're dealing with. It's it's hard to look at from a two-dimensional point of view when there could be like four, five, six different dimensions of viewing things. It's like philosophy, except that would say that there's no wrong answer ever and that we all could not exist in some way or form. But 
the point being is, yeah, I, I'd also say that we'd have a responsibility to help as many people as we can if they are afflicted by parasites or things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's and I think even like even uh, see with uh, with both you and your father, like people know that you're you're people that they can go to. Um, for people who are becoming multiverse aware and starting to understand these kind of things, and you know don't have uh, you know books or a radio show. What I'd recommend, and this is something i found to be pretty effective, uh, because I have had some friends who have had experiences since, uh, since uh, I became aware, is dropping little hints, just uh, letting people know that you're somebody approachable should they encounter uh, something that freaks them out or breaks their paradigm. So even, you know, mentioning something about, uh, say, uh, say, energy or, uh, or perhaps, um, uh, say, uh, uh, some UFO sightings, just anything to let them know that that you understand some things that uh, that may not, they may not have encountered yet, and they may think you're completely insane when you first tell them. But first time they see a uh, say a shadow person show up at the uh, at the bottom of their bed, um, they're probably going to think for who they can possibly turn to and uh, and have a conversation with them. And then it's up to us to help them uh, bridge the gap between their old paradigm and the new one. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where people can trust you. For some reason, people trust us more than others or whatever. Like, people are very trusting and all that. Toward, well, towards me, at least. And for some reason, people, like, spill their guts. And I'm just like, oh, well. I, I tend to do that, too. Maybe because I'm naive or maybe I, I see something I like in someone because we all pick groups of friends that... We, for a reason, we're friends with those people, whether it be from one stage of life to another or they're bound to be your good friends for a really long time. So this is a completely different question, but I I wanted to ask, did your background as a personal trainer help you with any of this? (laughs) Well, you know, since parasites are, uh, you know, they do have a a physical body, you know, it's helped with wrestling with them. (laughs) (laughs) That no, may no, be true. That statement may be truer than you think. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm, uh, I'm kidding there. Um, well, I think that um, physical activity does help, kind of your connection and staying grounded. So that the workouts and that kind of thing can help you stay grounded while you're going to, while you're doing the meditation and becoming more multiverse aware. So in that way, I would say absolutely, uh, it's uh, it definitely helps. So you, you you told my dad a story. Well, you sent him an email, and I happened to see it too because you sent it to both of us. That um you were you had like a really like horrible cold, and you you did some meditation, steaming, and all that crap, and it led led to some really weird event. I didn't get to finish reading it because I had to go go do something. So um would you like to talk about it? Sure. Um, this is one of those things where uh, as I'm starting to uh, to try to frame things as challenges rather than uh, negative. I uh, ended up going on a bus trip with my wife uh, to Salem, and uh, one of the uh, individuals on the bus had a very nasty uh, dry cough, cold, slash, like, chills and flu thing, and everybody on the bus got sick from it. So about a week went by. I was still in really rough shape. I had a fever and, and everything. And um, at a recommendation of my doctor, uh, I decided to uh, sweat it out. And I also did some fasting uh, for a couple of days as well uh, to uh, to kind of aid in that process. So I had two full days, probably about eight to ten hours, 
where I was bundled up under about three different three blankets, uh, drinking plenty of water, and since there wasn't really much else to do, I meditated and, and did uh, energy work. So after the second day, uh, I started noticing a few strange things happening. And actually, this experience is one of those ones where it um, it adjusted my paradigm because I didn't think things like this were possible. At the end of the second day, I started noticing that even though I was drinking a lot of water, um, I wasn't sweating at all. And the uh, air conditioning had broke, and it was about 95 degrees, extremely humid. I had about three layers of, uh, of blankets on, and I can't sweat. And then I took the blankets off and realized that the room felt really cool. And But there were some strange things that kind of went along with this. Um, I wasn't sweating. I didn't feel the uh, I didn't feel the heat. I didn't feel the humidity, and it was almost like there was like little vents, uh, like that were like puffing out about like two inches uh, away from my body periodically. Uh, besides that, there was also uh, some really strange things, like a um, like I could hold my breath for I did it for about four minutes and then just stopped with uh, with no desire to breathe. Um, I was doing push-ups. I did some pull-ups. I couldn't fatigue myself. Um, I didn't feel like I needed to eat food for a few days. Um, and one of the kind of the coolest things that happened was for about, I'd say about five hours, I had a complete release from any type of fear. And I've never experienced that before in my life or since. And it's not like I walk around afraid on a daily basis, but there's always like this little bit of vigilance that's always taking a look and monitoring what's going on and wondering how it's going to need to react. But that completely went away, and I was at total peace. And that was one of the coolest things that happened. Uh, the other effects lasted for about uh, about six or seven hours, um, and the, uh, the not needing to eat lasted for about uh, probably about four days. And this was kind of strange, so I did a bit of research afterwards and also uh, talked to uh, my acupuncturist. Uh, I get acupuncture uh, usually once every week or every two weeks. And uh, he mentioned that in traditional Chinese medicine that uh, I'm going to, I know I'm going to horribly mispronounce it, that the, uh, at least the lack of eating or lack of uh, need for food for a certain amount of time is a uh, phenomenon that's been, uh, that's been noted for a few thousand years in traditional Chinese medicine called a, uh, called a baigu, uh, B-I-G-U. So it seems like these kind of things that there's almost like there's more energy for manifestation now. It's not just, uh, you know, the consistent meditation. It really feels like both on the positive and negative side of things that there's an awful lot more energy that can be used. So on the kind of on the challenging side, you have parasites gaining more influence and more, uh, uh, I guess, more control. But you also have, uh, we also have access to, um, to an awful lot more things than we usually realize are possible. Wow, that's a fascinating story. You know, I wish I could do things like that, but I never have time to. Well, it's basically, it was getting, this is where a kind of a new perspective helped out, was I looked at it like, okay, this, I got sick for a reason, uh, there's a challenge here, and I'm going to learn from it what I can learn from it. And the, the difficulty early on was after it happened was trying to seek the outcome, uh, because it was so interesting and, and different. I wanted to learn how to do it so I could replicate it and then, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, convince people or show people that, look, there's not, you, no way you can explain this. 
but then I realized, you know what, that's like, um, you know, to kind of bring the uh, the analogy of uh, people's sinuses shuts. I don't think we have, uh, I don't think we should be using sm- uh, spiritual smelling salts. I think that that would get in the way of uh, of people's path, uh, paths that they need to follow. Yeah, def- definitely. It's just one of those things where, I don't know, everything happens for a reason. That uh, The biggest cliche in our society, everything happens for a reason and all that fun stuff where it's like, oh, dude, your girlfriend just broke up with you. Everything happens for a reason. No, I, I understand, but we are running out of time. Todd, it was great talking to you, and we're definitely going to have you back soon. Oh, thanks, Ben. It was a real pleasure. I appreciate it, man. Uh, you are most welcome. So... We are coming down to the wire here, and we would like to say many thanks, or we, by we, I mean me, many thanks to our producer, Steve Bianchi, and we'll see you next Monday, September 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, right here on WON 1240 AM and com. And so we are going to be doing a lot of emails that day. We're going to have a nice open line show. And we will also be having an open line show on our Sunday evening CBS radio edition in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Seattle, and online at www.newskyradio.com. And that is on Sunday, September 25th, where there will also be another line sh- on another open line show. If I get that wrong, my dad will send out an, a newsletter and just say, oh, yeah, we totally are doing something that day. And remember, you can always get free podcasts of all our shows and there are over 300 of them now, along with show schedules and guest information at www.behindtheparanormal.com. So, after that very interesting topic, I couldn't think of a, of a good quote to end it. So, in the meantime, I would like to end with this quote from Red Green of The Red Green Show, if anyone has ever watched that on PBS from Canada. Always keep your stick on the ice. So, thank you for joining us on our great cosmic journey and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.